When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Today we're going to talk a little bit about coaching and we're going to jump around a bit, but the first thing to orient the conversation was around how do you coach and level up junior PMs or people that are new to product throughout the life cycle. So you have your entry level all the way to your regular level to senior to, to what have you and beyond. So how do you coach through empowerment and keeping that in mind as a new product leader? What are those considerations? How are you empowering your teams to create amazing products? Kind of along those lines. So maybe what we can start with is this transition of an APM, associate product manager, entry level, converting into a product manager what is the coaching criteria? I know coaching is always unique and personalized, but what are ways that you've empowered those individuals to learn? Yeah, I think that's a good spice. I think especially now getting into product is, I think it's become a little bit more complex given the current market. And I think for a lot of businesses, focusing on developing new talent is a really key thing that we should be doing. When I think about that transition from APM to PM, fundamentally, that period is about coaching you to independently operate as a product manager with little to no extra assistance, right? Like when somebody becomes a PM, the goal is, hey, you're a person who has an established foundation, like you can run your ceremonies, you can make decisions. That's what we expect at a PM level. But an APM level, it's like you need to learn the craft of product. So when I think about that, an APM usually comes in to product having a specialty skill in one other business domain. Maybe they came from marketing. Maybe they came from, heck, teaching. Maybe they came from engineering. We don't, but they're going to have one very specific skill set. And we need to start thinking about how we coach them on the other areas of business that they need to know. So if you're somebody in UX, that might be, we need to develop your marketing skills. We need to develop your financial modeling skills, your business strategy skills, your maybe cross-functional team leadership skills, or even teaching simple things like how to run Jira and squat and or pod ceremonies effectively. That's where I at least start with is just seeing what did they come into it with? And then how can we start checking the boxes against all of those multi-disciplines that a PM should have? What do you think, Kevin? I like that. I think that approach makes a lot of sense. And I love identifying where they're coming from as a strength and to say, where can we round them out into and educate them around the product skill set as a whole as a more rounded product person, especially if the curiosity is there. I'm more curious about your run of the mill, regular PM. How do you level them up to become a senior? And what I mean by how do you level them up is again, this coaching empowerment. How do you actually do that? What are the things, what are the things to avoid? What have you learned? in your career 
that has worked and what hasn't. Because I feel like from personal experience, you can over-index on prescription or prescriptive kind of over-the-shoulder command and control maybe a little bit more versus like the empowered kind of do whatever you want. And there's like a balance you have to strike at a certain PM skill set that both pushes them, encourages them, shows them the way and still empowers them and trusts them. How are you thinking about that? This comes back to a product competency framework that I develop every time I go to a new organization. And I would say as a leader, it is critical for you to be able to not only articulate the difference between roles, but have very clear distinctions of what would set somebody apart as they advance in their career. Now, it's not the only thing you go by, but I, I feel like it's pretty critical for a leader to have that documentation set down. And I want to say, like, here's how I think about it in terms of empowerment. When I have a conversation with, let's say it's a new person who comes to join my team or I'm new to them or they're advancing the role, the first thing I do is I sit down and say, here's a list of generic expectations for your role. This list is right here. You copy and paste. It's it's well, you can you can look at it. Mm. And if you want to see the expectations for every role above you, boom, it's right here. List it out. Chart it out. Now, once again, it doesn't mean you have to be competent at everything or perfect at everything, but it it gives people an idea of what you're looking for. And I think when you start there, then you can go back into and have your conversations with every person and say, okay, look, you guys got the playbook. It's up to you. If you want to start advancing, here are the types of things you can do. And if you want to set your goals, and as a leader, I think encouraging them to set goals that maybe maximize a strength, improve a weakness, and are targeted at that level of advancement is a really good way to start. And then I think from there, as a leader, my goal is to coach you on the things that I can develop your skills in. So if that is a product strategy or if it's financial modeling, mm-hmm. we're going to sit down we're going to have sessions and we're going to develop those skills. And I'm going to give you the basics and then you're going to come back and bring back what you've learned. So it might say in an APM level, hey, let's talk about how to develop a financial model. Let's do it together. At a PM level, I want to know you've learned that skill and you're going to come to me with a financial model. At a senior PM level, I'm going to expect you to be borderline expert at kind of doing that. Like you should understand it. You should understand it really well. And at a senior level, you should be able to coach an APM. At a senior level, we want you to become a value multiplier. And I think that's really where that separation from PM to senior PM is, is you start to become a value multiplier. I love that distinction there, or at least that signal as a leader, you can kind of identify when a person has become this. What I heard from that is a competency matrix is a tool in the tool chest to guide, set the expectations up front, and then coach towards or use the common set of language to then use as your foundation to put together a exactly. growth plan. So it's a tool. And then what you're doing is the approach to then utilize that tool with growth and coaching is to show and tell not show and tell but what is it uh you do one they do one oh man what what there's there's some sort of there's there's an uh, a term for this but i think I, I think about it more like a we do one they do one review they do one with yeah. the expectation that it doesn't need review you know that type of thing I like that approach because there's this expectation that as new leaders maybe you might 
expect them to already know certain things, right? Like we expect that you might know how to run an analysis, but in some cases you don't know necessarily if they do or not, or in the way that you're thinking through these things as well. You kind of have to take a step back and say, I'm not going to be prescriptive about how you do the analysis, but I want to see the result. And then if you show me the result, then I can ask questions, guided nudges to kind of help you. Did you think critically about this? Are there areas of opportunity to improve? And so that helps you kind of adjust your next approach to it, right? That shitty first draft of an analysis, and then let's build on top of it as a team, right? I think you hit on a key point there, Kevin, which is the rough draft aspect. And I think that's one of the primary areas of coaching that any leader can do is just encourage somebody to get something down. Make that rough yeah. draft. Go from zero to 0.25% of the way, you know, or point, 25% of the way there. And then we'll kind of help with the the next bit. Yeah. And I also think there's also a part too, I would, I would say for people who aren't people leaders listening to this, if you don't know something and you want to be coached, feel open going to your leader and telling, hey, I've never done this before. And you help me. Can you provide me with some resources? You know, you don't want them to do it for you, but you might want to say like, hey, I've never done this. Could you sit down with me for an hour and let's talk about it? That level of proactivity is also a really good sign in somebody who's emerging in their career. Yeah, stay curious on that, right? Like you have to, if you approach it with curiosity and an open mind and also that vulnerability of I don't know everything, but I want to learn and that eagerness, right? Like that's always going to be welcomed, I think, especially from your coach, manager, leader. Definitely approach it that way. But also on the flip side, not everyone's that vulnerable and maybe they don't want to kind of show their cards as much, right? There's this imposter syndrome theory that's very high in PMs, right? I know that I suffer from it still. And growing up as a PM, you pretend like you know it all when you're being asked to do these things because you know you can figure it out, but it's kind of like putting this facade up. So it gives you some coverage to learn and to grow and to push, not expose yourself as this failure potentially, right? This is a kind of the mental gymnastics that I know I go through. As a leader, recognize that since it's such a high rate within PMs that they might not ask for this stuff. What are tactics that might help you still grow their abilities and get a little bit more vulnerable? If anything comes to mind, I'm curious to hear what you have. The first thing that stands out there is, can we create a space that is comfortable enough for them to express those things with us as leaders? Yeah. I think that's the first part. Kevin, you'd probably say this, right? If somebody's asking you for help on your team or trying to be vulnerable with you, I bet you would never hold that against, right? Of course not. Yeah. That's the thing that is hard because I think there are people managers out there who do. And that's a really hard thing. I think that's something that we have to be cognizant of as people leaders. If you want to be a good people leader is that understand that there's a high likelihood the person you're working with may not have had a comfortable space to ask those questions. Right. That's true. Yeah. They might have not learned in that environment or come from that comfortable environment. So you kind of have to recreate or build that trust with them, show them the vulnerability in yourself as a leader. I think one of the things that I do is I always, you know, I try to admit my mistakes as often as I remember to it. And uh, I'm very vulnerable with the team, sometimes to the fault where I, you know, in my head with my imposter syndrome, I'm like, oh, they think I don't know what I'm doing. But <laughs> in theory, I think that's built that relationship with them to do the same with me when they don't know, or we get to that vulnerable raw moment to say, let's learn together. And I think that's one of the big things as a leader you're not really telling these people what to do, but you're building a product with them. 
And I think that is the mindset change as a leader, as an empowered leader that you could take to really change all of the activities that you're doing to help them grow, to say like, we can't do this without these people on our team. And how do we shift our mindset as leaders to say, we're doing this together and we're going to learn together, right? I think that was the first thing that I said to one of our really senior directors here was just like, hey man, you know, I don't have that much experience in this role. I'm going to learn with you. And you know, what I do have is, you know, I've built products at these different companies. I've seen it in different ways. I have a bunch of ideas, but we're going to learn together. It's going to be different in different companies. And I'm excited to go on this journey with you. So it's like this co-creation journey of their career, your career and the products that you're building. And I think that's really critical as a leader to recognize that and also to embrace it. it makes your job way more easier than it needs to be. But sometimes I, I do find myself falling into that trap of more prescriptiveness or maybe just this closed-mindedness or it takes moments to remind yourself of that based on what you're seeing in the day-to-day. -day. I think there's another part in here too, which is we can create that environment. We can provide the tools, the frameworks, we can, you know, put that all down. But the, the key piece you hit on is, I think, the collaboration between the individual and their manager for self-growth and, you know, mutual benefit. This is something I would encourage for other people to think about, like, your leader's success is based upon your success, right? If you're succeeding in your role, your leader is succeeding at their role. And by proxy, if you want to succeed at your role, you want a leader who can coach you on how to be, you know, how to be beneficial. But I think that empowers you in a way to look at it and say, what does my leader care about? My leader cares about the fact that I'm successful and that our team is delivering on the things we say we're going to deliver. How can I do that more effectively? And if you're keeping that focus on the outcomes that's going to help them, they're going to start keeping the focus on the outcomes that are going to help you. A dual partnership area as a general point, more pronounced in product, I think, than other roles that I've, that I've been in. In product, I think the whole concept of ensuring your team has what they need to deliver on stuff, and then by proxy, you ensuring that you're contributing your piece to the broader whole, I think it's just so pronounced in our, in our area more so than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we could tie this back into strategy because I feel like we're coming up into a new planning cycle for H2, for Q3, and a lot of leaders are thinking about, and, and PMs as well, is like, how do we guide those teams within the day-to-day, -day, right? The strategy, vision, these are tools that you can also leverage on top of the competencies on the day-to-day -to, -day to actually do that at the level that it is more oriented towards empowerment. And I want to understand what is that right level of strategic narrative or prescription of milestones and a roadmap that as a leader, you either co-create with your leads or lead from a place of centralized learning, right? Like, is this something that you as a leader drive the strategic narrative, put it out and then get feedback on? Is it something you co-create? And then also what's the level of the details there? I've seen it in a lot of different ways from narratives to milestones to prescriptive roadmaps. I know the things that I liked when I was an individual contributor, but I'm curious to see Lou on your situations, what, what has worked, what hasn't. I want to say it's different for every organization. And I know that that's, it's a function of the culture that's been created. So what I would think about it in terms of role is how well do people deal with ambiguity? For somebody at an associate product manager level, you're going to give them less ambiguous tasks to come with, sure. right? To a, and then to a senior principal director, 
their goal is to make more sense out of more ambiguity. And as you get higher up in that product leadership area, the amount of ambiguity you introduce to your team is something that you need to think about. When I think about strategic narrative, I want to talk about realistic milestones or big changes that we are making to our product, to our organization, and the outcomes that we want delivered. Right. If we do X, Y, or Z, we are going to grow in revenue. We're going to grow in user account. We're, mm. And we have a target three, four years out. And then I might suggest, okay, well, here's the high level stuff that we would need to accomplish to get to that goal. Once I've done that, it's down to our senior PMs and our PMs and, P and below to take those things and break them down into even more digestible chunks that others can understand. If we're a senior PM or maybe a principal lead or something like that, we should be able to say, hey, we're going to migrate off this big database and we're going to go to this other one because of all of these strategic business region mm. reasons. They should be able to go, the business wants to go this direction with our databasing. How can we take that completely like I don't even understand and break that down even further so that your mm. APM can look at that and go, all right, this year I need to do a proof of concept on migrating a small database to get my test data, my numbers, and everything else, right? That's that's wholly digestible by that person. And that's where I think you break it down is those levels of ambiguity. Yeah, I think the process of putting it all together, like you said, depends on the, the environment that you're in and how these things are defined up front. I think one of the ways that, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but this is the way that we're kind of navigating it today. I started from restating or clarification of the product vision statement. It wasn't product specific. I made it a little bit more product specific. I recirculated that with our CPO and said, do I have this right? How do we want to word these things? That was a little co-creation. Once that co-creation, we had a session, we kind of refined the language there, threw that into a doc. Then my next approach for the strategy is what are the big shifts, movers, like you said, Lou, that you want to call out in particular? The way that I started down this path was almost like a just a word vomit or a boil the ocean type of here's all the ideas I have. Here's here's maybe some some things that we can articulate in this doc. And then I recalibrated midway through to say, well, we do have OKRs in the annual level in the company. So let's let's start there. And then we've done a lot of work on the topology side to really imprint our strategy on our team structure. Let's use the inputs that we do have and let's see what organically comes from that. So after going wide, now I'm kind of starting to refine a little bit to say, all right, now here is the particular things for the particular areas. Then the other thing that I'm also kind of course correcting on was this co-creation. Like that really worked well for me and my CPO. I want to do the same with my leads for these areas. And so it is more of like that SFD, really scrap, scrappy scribble notes. And hey, here's what I have. Here's what I'm thinking. Let's work on this together and let's refine it or, or give me something new that I wasn't considering. That's kind of the stage we're at now. And then as we refine with them, I want them to do the same with their individuals as well. That's kind of the culture that we have here in, in particular, but I was kind of stuck at a certain moment of trying to do this the right way, but we've got to wrap up with some homework, but uh, we're, uh, I also don't have time to do homework because we have to run. So we'll have to follow this up in, in our next session, but that looks like we finished up our coffee. So go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. 
Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover, and who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.